everybody, and welcome back to Butter With That. I'm your host today, Sam. I'm here with my other fellow co-hosts, Connor, Tori, Christine, and Dave. And we're wrapping up our month about 90s movies. But before we do that, so folks, how we doing? See any cool movies recently? A few of us saw Captain Marvel. Yeah, woo! Yeah, we did. It was, it was good. Goose is everything. Goose is amazing. Goose the cat. I liked it. It was yeah. kind of hilarious seeing all these internet trolls trying to like manipulate the box office numbers or like just saying all these like totally false things. It's like, it's, like, it's, just, it's, just like it's just like a pretty good average movie. And yeah. yeah. Like, why is this the Marvel movie you're going to complain about is my thing. Oh, it's because it's Brie Larson. Yeah. Also, did you see the whole thing with like uh, Samuel Jackson did an Esquire um interview and was talking a bunch of shit on Trump and all these people were like, yeah. we're not going to watch your movies anymore. And he replied and was like, I don't give a fuck. I already got paid. <laughs> <laughs> and also this movie is breaking box office records. So like, go like, fuck yourself. Yeah, none of these people no. fucking care about They're really going to show Samuel L. Jackson, one of the highest paid actors in the world. He got his nine picture deal. I think he's doing okay. Yeah, I know. He's, he's just fine. He's in Spider-Man uh, home. No, Far From Home. Far From Home. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So, you know, fuck it, man. I saw stills. I haven't seen the movie, but how uh, I guess they CGI de-aged him. Yeah. It looks really good. It, looks it was so unbelievable. Good. At least from the photo, so like the stills from the movies I've seen. Compared to like the Robert Downey Jr. one was really weird. It was terrible. Mm. But like it's the technology must have just improved since then because it looked very good. Except mm-hmm. when he was trying to fight, Garrett pointed this out. Like anytime he had to do something physical, you're, he was like, oh yeah, you're watching an old man. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's true. There's like that weird fight scene and you, he's like moving like he's 70 oh, years right, old. Yeah. And you're like, and then he's yeah. he's like running. You're like, this is clearly another like, actor. You're supposed to be like fit right now. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, um, and then in like Rogue One, they like um, totally recreated um, Grandma Tarkin, D.H. Carrie Fisher, and that was like better. And so it's kind of interesting seeing Disney and different. Do you mean uh, Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. Yes. Um, it's using so the technology. Amazing. Well, and Scorsese's doing the same thing in The Irishman. I learned. Mm. I don't know who he's oh, yeah. de-aging, but it's crazy. Probably d- someone. Didn't, yeah, like De Probably somebody. somebody. Yeah, yeah. He's um, bringing the whole. Crew is he back. de-aging everybody? Well, no, I'm saying I, I just looked That's at the so cast, much money. The oh my god, that movie, and it's like it's gonna be crazy. Are they gonna everybody. Do that for the new Bill and Ted? Oh my god, <laughs> there's a new Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah, it's, what? It's confirmed they're, now. It's film, official. They're filming this fall. Oh my god. Yeah. The it's a uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like that compared to like the new trailer for John Wick Three. You're like, oh, this is different. <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of things. Um, Letterbox to the rescue. I know. Now I can like keep track of everything. So I'm actually utilizing it. I saw Videodrome for the first time, which was amazing. Um, yeah. I was very excited about that. Um, in theaters, I saw a Climax recently. Um, How was that? It was decent. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it was weird. I don't know like how I felt after it, but the dancing was amazing and it like looked really cool. Um, but it's crazy and trippy. So cool. yeah. Um, it just feels like you're doing drugs and like having a bad trip. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of that director's thing. Yeah. Um, I also saw this movie called Starfish uh, that came out last year. That's like a recent um, sci-fi, um, like kind of girl, like last girl on Earth kind of thing. It was like very interesting. Um, and then I finished. We finished off. Uh, my partner and I have been watching the eight 
uh, Universal Monsters collection of like all the original ones. So we finished that off yesterday. Uh, watch Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm, nice. And now we get to move on to the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh, oh no. Uh, because I promised I would watch all of them. Oh. So You got Hobbs and Shaw coming out this That's summer. True. What yeah. is it with people in this franchise? What is it? I have not seen a single Fast and Furious movie, but the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw, Alyssa and I both said we'd be down to see that movie. Garrett saw seven before he saw any of the other ones. And he's like, <laughs> I knew nothing about these movies. And then I was weeping. Like crying over Paul Walker by the oh, end of seven. Well, I mean, because that it's where they a bring loss him back? of Paul Walker. That's like the goodbye one. That's where like he the, died, but then it was while like, filming. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that wow. Wiz yeah. Khalifa and what's his face, Charlie Pluth did a song for. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's what we're gonna do too. Where I'm gonna watch that one and then, and then we'll go back. All right. And, yeah. And cry every fun. episode. Because he's like, I don't know if I can make you watch like four of them that are all like not great, and then <laughs> make you watch five, which is actually good. So. We'll see what that eventually does to my brain. That's the James Wan one, right? Five or six? I, I know nothing about these movies. <laughs> James I know Wan there are cars, one of the good there's ones. Paul Walker. I, that's it. I think the first one was good, if I remember it correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know none of yeah. I know nothing about any of it. I know that they're not consistent with their numeric stuff. Apparently, sometimes it's spelt out. Other times, it's just the numbers. Fast so. Eight, Furious Seven. Wait, mm-hmm. can you? But like, you can't do any better than Too Fast, Too, too Furious. furious. <laughs> I'm sorry, because I use that for other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Did we talk about Apollo Eleven? Oh yeah, Connor and I saw yeah. Apollo Eleven. It was yeah. so good. You liked it? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Must oh. see. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Did you guys see it in IMAX? No. No. We, we, we saw it at the Prince Theater, uh, the Philadelphia Film yeah. Society shows movies there, and it was like kind of like a dinner theater style. <laughs> like there were round tables, and I think only an audience of like six, six. people. Six, we were like oh, two of really six or seven. So nice. yeah, yeah, it was great. But like the footage is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's the, the director basically used some footage that had been used in other documentaries and then some footage of the original uh, Apollo 11 launch that had never mm. been like taken out, never been seen and pieced it together and it was it was wild. Okay. I realized how little I knew actually about what it takes to land a fucking thing on the moon. <laughs> it, and it's like edited perfectly. There's a 3 minute I mean, like one shot of the Eagle One trying to land on the moon. And then it's just like from one camera fixed onto the leg of the moon lander. Wow. And then it's just like sirens are going off and this like 112 alert. And the guys on the radio like, what's the 112 mean? Like, what does this 112 thing mean? Hmm. And hmm. Connor and I were talking about this a little earlier, but I was reading a review of it that was not the most favorable review saying like it doesn't reveal anything new about the story or anything, which... In my opinion, I thought uh, that was completely fine. All of the voiceovers were just Walter Cronkite talking and narrating what was happening on the news. So it was all very fixed in 1969. Mm-hmm. All the footage was like was uh, from from the exact launch, and it, it was essentially just a str- like a watching primary source footage the whole movie, which was like. Yeah, this is just cool and visually still amazing. Anyhow, go see it. It's really good. Cool. Anyone else see anything cool that they want to talk about? I watched all of season three of Queer Eye, which (laughs) honestly, watch it. It's so good. It's the best show. I feel like everyone says that. And everyone's like, oh, I cry all the time while I watch this. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) But you feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, that's good. How was season two? I haven't seen season two. 
Oh my god, the first episode of season two. It, I've never cried that hard at a TV yeah. show ever. It's so good. I've got a lot of catching up to do. I've seen the first three episodes of the first few season, loved it, and now need to. It's great. It's so great because they meet people where they're coming from. Like a lot of people can't afford to shop at like the really high end places. So they'll take them to Target. Like it's working within their budget, working within their cooking skills. It's just great. Mm. Hmm. Has anybody started watching Love, Death and Robots on Netflix? No, no but Garrett and I want to watch it. It's really good. We watched uh, three episodes. They're I only think... a couple minutes long, right? Yeah. the one They're like six minutes to 17 minutes long. Uh, they're all in like a different animation style. I think it's David Fincher. Yes. Someone else wanted to make like a super like bloody sexy robot apocalypse movie, but they could never get it off the ground. So with Netflix, they went and they're like, "Hey, let's make this anthology cartoon show." Um, the trailer really f- is insane. Yeah. It's just like mm. images and like like weird music playing, and I was just like, "I don't know what's happening." Like, yeah. So I have no idea what it is about, but sure. Uh, one of them was like cre- like. Um, creature horror another one was like funny robots so that's kind of like all one of them's the, the day the yogurt took over <laughs> which was amazing oh yeah i i did see that and i was like wait a second that i have questions yes yeah i'm ready mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i'm ready for the day yogurt takes over great <laughs> you know it's yeah i don't want to say anything spoil it but yes agreed so i think we know what robots. happens the yogurt takes <laughs> over i think it's pretty much <laughs> yeah clear well, all right. <laughs> Thanks for all that. I uh, hope everyone was writing down our movie recommendations. Um, so, like I said, we're wrapping up our 90s month. My pick this week is Now and Then. It's one of my favorite movies. I picked this because it's a true comfort film. Uh, as soon as I started rewatching it to prepare for this podcast, I started crying. I think I cry a lot, but that, that, that's all right. <laughs> um, but I used to watch this movie all the time with my best friends from back home, back in Wilkes-Barre. And uh, we would always be like, well, who are you in this? Um, are you Samantha? Are you Chrissy? Like, who are you? So, Oh, we didn't take the tests. Oh, fuck. We'll take it, it during the break and we'll, we'll come back with our answers. And um, maybe. Who knows? And um, it's so relevant to me right now because uh, not to spoil anything of the plot just yet, but basically the characters go back to their childhood hometown because one of the, the best friends is about to give birth to. I can't remember if it's baby boy or girl, but it's a girl. It's a girl. And um, my best friend is, too. Mm. Um, also, I, I don't know. Jen, John, if you listen to this, John, I just want to let you know you're an asshole. So today he texted the group chat and was like, baby on the way. And I was like, holy shit. I like flipped up. I like whatever. (laughs) I like was like, I'm going to take every day. I I was going to buy a bus ticket. And then he's like, this was just a test. I'll murder you. John Kajeski. I'm going to murder you. Anyway, moving along. So this movie was super relevant then and now. Um, So... Before we really get into like the whole everything, the whole things that I want to talk about with this film, um, let's get into the trailers and reviews. So, who did? God bless you. Bless you. Twas me. Twas Tori. Well, one thing I was interested in. So, how old are they supposed to be? Like twelve. Yeah. No, I meant when they're older, because it takes place in nineteen seventy. Nineteen seventy. What? Ninety four. Ninety five. Okay. Is it so they're in the, like mid thirties. Yeah, mid thirties, we'll say. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, because I was like, I'm not sure how old these people are supposed to be. So, like that, that is like one thing that was was good to clarify. Um, yeah, the trailer is like 
very 90s, like, I, I, I don't know how to, like, totally describe it, just that, like, warmth of, like, those, like, family-friendly, like, you know, emotional movies uh, that I feel like all kind of, like, sound the same with that voiceover and oh, stuff, sure. you know? Um, the whole trailer is basically them, like, talking about, like, sex and stuff and, like, boobs and things, um, which I was like, is that, I, yeah. I guess that's the whole plot of this movie. Um, so I, it's, I, a, it's a big chunk. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I, I've seen this movie before, but, like, I don't remember much. Um, but, um, you know, it, there was, like, um, a lot of stuff with, like, one of the girls uh, who... Um, Christina Ricci, who is then played by Rosie O'Donnell, like, her, she's kind of, like, the scrappy one, so it's them, like, fighting with boys and playing, like, tricks on them and stuff, but also, like, you see her, like, making out with a dude, too, so, like, you know, it seems like typical, like, kind of coming-of-age thing. Um, they do mention the Dear, Dear Johnny thing, like, just very briefly, um, which I felt like was a bigger thing in the movie. It is, yeah, okay. the Dear right. Johnny mystery. Mm. Okay, cool. I couldn't really remember. Um, also, when the baby is born, um, I think Rosie O'Donnell says it looks like like Rush Limbaugh, which I was like, she oh does. my god. She does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I was like, wow, this is still relevant. Still, yeah. <laughs> Probably looks even more like Rush oh Limbaugh now. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then one of the, the women, the older women, I forget, she was the blonde one. Um, she was like weirdly talking in a baby voice the whole time, which I was is just like... Is it Kathy like, Griffin? I think so, yeah. Which, is that just how she talks? Melanie uh, or Me- Melanie yeah, Griffith, not Kathy Griffith. At one point, she was speaking, and I was like, "Oh, you're doing a baby voice thing here. That seems weird to me." But maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, that might just be her. Maybe that's just she's the one. Yeah, maybe an that's actress, just right? Maybe that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, because she's like she was like dressed very nice and like was wearing high heels and like short skirts. So I mm-hmm. assume she was like the the like richer one who looked very uncomfortable in her hometown and all of the like uh, adult like pieces they show within the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like the trailer. The trailer, like, definitely looks like what I kind of remember of the movie and what I assume it is, like, kind of this heartwarming coming-of-age, like, story of, like, friendship that's, like, spanned, like, a lifetime and that sort of thing and this, like, important moment they're coming together for. Um, The only thing that I kind of, like, thought about at the end, a little bit later after I watched it, was um, who is this movie for? Um, Mm -hmm. Because there is, like, a lot of adult stuff and definitely with those kind of stars in it it felt like it was supposed to maybe maybe more of an adult one but then also with like those younger actresses mm. and stuff like then I can also see that me as a kid like totally like getting drawn to this movie because I loved all of them when I was younger too so I was like kind of interested in like who is like what age is this supposed to really be geared towards hmm. yeah um but that's it cool. yeah cool um reviews yeah so um it was really interesting looking at the Rotten Tomatoes critics score versus audience score. And this is a really wonderful example of like, even though it was 28% on Rotten Tomatoes for critics score, it was an 82% audience score. Mm-hmm. And like that was, I mean, this is a movie that I have seen mul- like multiple times um, and really, really liked like as a kid. And um, most of the audience reviews we're like, oh my God, this is a movie I grew up with. Um, at the time, reviews, like at least what I was reading, critical reviews were claiming the movie was gimmicky, cliche, 
um, a contrived stand by me kind of story. Karen James, the New York Times, had critiqued the movie's actual marketing campaign. She's like stating it so resembles the boys coming of age film Stand By Me that the pub publicity material actually calls attention to the similarity as if giving girls their own movie meant following a boy's model as if being derivative were a good thing and then just dismisses it as like not good enough nostalgia for adults um, or as a story that girls might today identify with which is so interesting because like all of these contemporary audience reviews are like this movie speaks to me and has stuck with me mm -hmm. for so long and I still turn to this movie um, for that like wonderful nostalgia factor that still feels relevant. Lexi K on Rotten Tomatoes was like, I realize now that I saw it way too young, but my parents sucked my childhood like it was marrow. But this movie was a breath of life. I realize now, 22 years later, it taught me how to be a person. This movie shaped who I am. So it's like, Goodness. the Lexi K's out there is like, this movie wow. was everything to me. So, Holy shit. Um, that is intense. Yeah, and then I was encountering some interesting articles that have been written more recently in which writers who have loved this movie, like Anne Cohen wrote a Refinery29 article um, that actually posits that reclaiming a narrative that has so long been associated with men holds its own power, mm. is what she said. And that in her uh, opinion, that the movie captures like dynamics of uh, a friendship and brilliantly understands, she said, the dynamic specifically in her mind of female friendships. Um, but she also brings up some really interesting points that would be, uh, that I think connect to some of the questions that you had posed, Sam. She acknowledges that every, not everything in the movie necessarily um, holds up. The movie is overwhelmingly white and heteronormative. And um, she points to an article that a writer, Zoe Samudzi, wrote about the prevalence of kind of white teen narratives. Um, in, in sh uh, according to Zoe, these films, uh, and she mentions now and then, about white female adolescence and teenhood revolve around particular experiences and meditations on dissatisfaction and boredom using nostalgia as their primary pull. And yet for me, their projections of high school misery and endless summers only serve as a reminder that black girls are never afforded the kind of ordinariness that would make them relatable to white audiences. Mm -hmm. So it's kind mm -hmm. of interesting. I think it connects to, yeah, what was sort of the, common coming-of-age narrative that was coming out, like, in the mid-90s. and Also, what um, did they want a girl's narrative to look like? That right. one person, like, that said that is interesting. So I'm like, okay, well, like, yeah, girls should have their own, I guess, kind of stand-by-me, but, like, then what's, like, the critique? Like, what should that girl's story look like? So I think, yeah, that kind of just reading different sort of uh, write-ups of the movie when it came out and also kind of looking back mm. at it um, after time, I think, posed some interesting things that... Um, yeah, it could be food for thought. There's also a kind of a note that I found that um, it sounds as though uh, originally Christina Ricci slash Rosie O'Donnell's character was going to be uh, written as a lesbian, huh. but that that you was removed tell. because they felt that it wouldn't that it, the the audience of it at the time would have been like prickled by it or would have been it would have made people uncomfortable and so on. So it they did, I guess, have that idea initially, but uh, pulled back. 
Or like, because she's the tomboy, she's the one that would clearly be the lesbian. I guess that was like, yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the character is read that way. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, so even even if she wasn't in the film, I think that I had always thought. Mm. Well, anyway, so yeah. thank you hmm. for that, Christine and Tori. That was really interesting. So, um, Connor, before we get to kind of the the questions I had prepared and like kind of more about the movie, just to give like a, a brief synopsis. So. Um, this movie came out in 1995, stars Rosie O'Donnell, Demi Moore, Christina Ricci, Thora Birch, Rita Wilson, and Melanie Griffiths, just to name a few. Melanie Griffiths, by the way, big shout out to you. Um, she had a daughter in 1990 and named her Dakota and um, saved me from being named Dakota. That's what my parents wanted to call me, but because she had the baby before me, <laughs> wow. uh, I got saddled with Samantha and God bless. Thank you. Oh, and I'm going to move on. Chef's kisses Wait, to Melanie is Griffiths. Is her daughter uh, Dakota Fanning? The Fifty Shades of Grey? Or Dakota Johnson? Dakota Johnson. Oh. Is that huh. true? Yeah. And then, if I'm not mistaken, her grandmother is, is it Tippi Hendren? Or am I confusing it with something I don't else? know. Hold on. The Google now machine. that you mentioned Dakota, <clears throat> I feel like I've seen that somewhere in the... I feel like the, I heard she had a, a famous sphere. grandmother. Yeah, that makes sense in my head, but... Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I love that star genealogy. It's like, oh, so this makes sense. Um, Especially when we're... Like, one of the things I want to talk about is privilege. And so, yep, you know... Yep, Griffith is uh, the daughter of Trip- Tippi Hendred. Ah, and ah. thus... Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, now we have Fifty Shades of Grey. God. Well, anyway, thanks, Melanie Griffiths, so I'm not named Dakota. <laughs> no offense, Mom and Dad, but, like, God. Um, anyway, so this movie follows four... We all ba- had that other person we were supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Someone once told me, was like, you don't look like some, a Samantha. You look like an April. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Get out of here. Well, anyway. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Moving along again. Actually, my parents also wanted to call me Felicity. No, oh, Felicia. Oh. Felicia. They want to call me Felicia, Ooh. and I'm so glad. Yeah. Whew. Another a bullet I dodged um, <laughs> for sure <laughs> before I was even born. Um, I just started thinking about why I'm Samantha. So, do you guys have like meanings behind your names? This is so off topic, but like now I'm curious. I don't think so. My mom likes the nickname Tori, so she named me Victoria. I was almost a Natalie, by the way, which also thank God. Natty. Gross. Yeah, like what? Do I, I mean, people call me Vicky, which is also disgusting. But yeah, <laughs> I was either gonna be Connor or Colin. So either way, I would be white and Irish. Yeah, I was say, so way. Irish. <laughs> I think I could be a Colin. You, yeah. I was named after a TV character on Who's the Boss, Samantha Maselli. Huh. <laughs> Anybody else name origins? Dave, Christine. I was gonna be named Jordan, but now my middle's name is Jordan. Ah, cute. Hmm. I love knowing that. <laughs> Speaking about middle names, still not forgiven. Backstory, but you know whatever. Wait, what? Don't worry about it. Well, yeah, my name is uh, David Thomas Sampson, so it's Bible the name. Uh, <laughs> but also like the the founders of founder of Wendy's. Uh, Dave it's, Thomas. It's, yeah, it's got some of that in there too. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it's just uh, my sister was born first. Her name was Devin, and they were like, mm, David. Yeah, David, David. There, that works. Wow. <laughs> if you were to have children, any names that you'd like to like give? Or no, we can stop. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. 
Connor's supposed to pull out his baby book. <laughs> yep. Uh, wow. I carry it with me all over. What a tangent. Anyway, so <laughs> Now and Then follows four best friends on a summer of growing, mystery, and coming of age in the 1970s, but checks in with them later in life as they all come back to Shelby, Indiana for Chrissy, played by, in this case, Rita, Wilson's, uh, Rita Wilson and uh, Chrissy's childbirth. Um, so they all made a promise to come back to Indiana if they needed somebody, and so they did it. They, they swore a blood oath. They sure did. Um, so, Connor, tell me your general thoughts on the movie, but also, Christine, since you since you brought up the comparison between now and um, between Stand by Me, also, Connor, what do you think about coming of age films being a gendered and um, a privileged experience? Is this something? So, is now and mm -hmm. then a movie that can resonate across genders, across race, across anything else? What do you think? Definitely, I think I've never seen the movie before this morning watching it, um, and I think it definitely like spoke to me in terms of like confusion, like about your body, and confusion about like your parents talking to you about things, and like um, every every girl kind of gets their like spotlight moment. Of kind of like what's going on in their lives. Uh, and the one being like, I don't want to be the kid whose like parents are divorced. Um, which definitely like, resonated with me of being one of two kids in my class who had divorced mm -hmm. parents. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. High school definitely like resonated with me. So I think it's and I, we also live in a point where it's like a post Stranger Things world mm -hmm. where it's like now we're back in this kind of like um, nostalgia for like these types of movies that are like, oh, kids come of age, kids on bikes down dirt roads, um, stuff like that. So I think it definitely is like kids on bikes. That's down dirt thing. roads. That's yep. <laughs> Universal experience. <laughs> um, so I definitely maybe at the time it felt like this was like, oh, you're just trying to like do this thing for girls. And it should be I don't know if she, that reviewer was like, this should be something totally different. But I didn't feel it was derivative of any of those experiences. It was like, oh, we're just taking like. Uh, a summer in the lives of these four girls and the things that happened to them. Yeah, I think that there are similarities. So, you know, in Stand By Me, they're trying to solve the mystery of the, the dead body, right? And then in Now and Then, it's the mystery of Dear Johnny. And you, I, well, I can't, I haven't seen Stand By Me in a really long time. Do they find out, like, do they ever solve their mystery? It's not so much a mystery. They're just going to find this. They're, right, they're just kind of right. going to find the body. So they're good. Um, and then do. And then yeah. do. Um, not to spoil it. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> Which I just did. Haven't watched it by now. <laughs> Where have you been? The book is yeah, called The real. Body, right? Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah. so. Mm -hmm. I think I get Stand By Me and The Outsiders mixed up. I don't think I've ever seen Stand By Me. It's good. It's really good. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And, um, you know, four friends? also mm -hmm. in Stand By yeah. Me. Mm -hmm. So you've, you've got that the same thing in Now and Then. But I feel like I could relate to Stand By Me and some of the things that they talked about, though, I've never been an adolescent boy. But <laughs> I think that movies like these can be, can cross the gender divide. But what do you folks think? Is that possible? What about, like, the racial and privilege divide? Well, definitely, I feel like those are the ages, like, me, you know, in my head where, like, boys and girls like do really start to split and they when they start noticing like body changes and things like that like I feel like you can like really see that happening um because I remember like kind of like growing up as like more of a tomboy and stuff and like 
realizing I had to wear a bra and stuff like that. (laughs) And that felt weird. And that made me feel different than like my friends and and things like that. Um, So I can definitely see like there still being that like, you know, middle ground for a lot of people. I feel like once you get to maybe like high school kind of movies, then there is like much bigger differences between those two things a lot of times. But um, yeah, there's like so much stuff just as like a like 12, Mm -hmm. 13 year old. That's what they are. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that, Mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of people can probably relate to racially it's hard to say i think like the person that like you mentioned like made some really good points that are probably really important to be thinking about when like thinking of these kind of coming of age stories and where people are coming at but you know for me i related to a lot of these movies when i was younger i just have to assume that upper middle class suburban indiana Mm. is also probably not the most racially diverse place Mm. in in america so maybe that their experience like they never met a a person of color growing up might be possible i don't know Mm. I think as far as something I was sort of thinking about in like watching the movie and aspects of it that I connect connected with. And it was interesting. The writer of the article that I read said that like the movie captures like what she sees as sort of female friendship dynamics. But like I saw the idea of the friends sometimes like forming coalitions within their own right. friend group. That's as so true. Like, yeah. a, as what I would think is sort of a more universal friend dynamic mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, suddenly it's like two people versus two people or, or three people ganging up on one person. And like that felt like, oh, my There's God, always yes. like your one best friend in the group, even though everyone else was your friend, too. And like that idea of like even with right within your your pod, you mm-hmm. still got these like different mm. like always morphing um dynamics and I also I also watching it felt like there are some things that I had watching this movie nostalgia for but never actually experienced <laughs> like it's a weird feeling, the, right? like mm-hmm. riding yeah. bikes down a country road I'm like oh yeah childhood and I was like but when when did me and mm. three of my friends in like cut off shorts and tees for a whole day go mm-hmm. by the river and like ride our bikes and like play Red Rover, like yeah. just a careless summer day. And I'm like, I don't think that I ever had that. But I hear the sound of like summer crickets mm-hmm. in the movie and I'm like, yes, but like still not it, totally experiencing it. So it like it's like a, it's like a cultural mm-hmm. um, it's nostalgia. So, yeah. And but mm-hmm. of something that if I really think about it, yeah. <laughs> never actually experienced I wonder if, like, kids today, like, watching these movies, how they would feel. Because, like, I feel like they're even more removed than we would have been. Because you're right. Like, I grew up in, like, the suburbs. So things like that, like, weren't a part. Like, Garrett the other day was like, oh, I remember, like, me and my best friend, like, playing by, like, the the train tracks and going fishing. And I was like, I never did that shit. Like, there was a bunch, you know, I was just like, there were a bunch of houses around me. And I biked in, like, you know, my backyard and, like, things like that. So it was, like, very different. But now there's, like, technology and, you know... Kids might not be outside as much during the summer and, like, doing all these things. So, like, how how do kids today watching these mm. movies feel? Like, are they also, like, nostalgic for these things? Or are they so far removed that it's not the same? Oh my God, in, like, 40 years, it's going to be kids playing online video games together, but in their own homes. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's on in the 
I'm thinking of John Mulaney's thing about his <laughs> him having kids, and he was like, my kids will be inside playing violent video games and catfishing predators. <laughs> but that's so true and such an interesting point. I mean, not catfishing predators. <laughs> um, I mean, fine. <laughs> Let's hope that is the future. <laughs> fine. Someone's um, got to do it. <laughs> you're right. That has to happen. But... Is there a universal coming-of-age story? Can it cross generations? And also, like, how do we define a coming-of-age mm. story? And it's it sort of sounds like, you know, we're saying, yeah, there are some things that can cross generational lines, but there comes a point where technology intervenes. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I have to talk to a kid. <laughs> I'm really gra- glad, Christine, you brought up the point of like subsets of friends within larger friend groups. Because mm. watching the movie, that definitely made me like take notes. Like, oh, I don't remember ever seeing that in like the Sandlot or any other kind of like. I watched the Sandlot a lot as a kid. That was like my kind of main like coming of age kid movie. Um, but in terms of just like, because a lot of the movie is like two people will go off and like do their own little adventure while the other two kind of do their own little thing. They come back together and kind of separate again. So I thought that was like something that I assume goes on with like kids today too. So in terms of like friendship dynamics, like that stuff has probably been the same. Can anyone think of some more diverse coming of age stories too? Like I'm having trouble like thinking of some. Well, let's define what a coming of age movie is because I find that a specific age. Right. Like what is that? That is a really interesting question. I guess it's sort of that like puberty age, at least the way that it's Rugrats coming of age. Or those like um... at any point you're coming of the age that you will then be soon. Like you're always Or those moments that are like (laughs) aging. The stories I guess that are like the moments that like okay, now you're really becoming an adult and understanding things, like, which that's hard to define, I too. I think I have one. Uh, City of God. Oh, I've never seen I've it. Never seen if it. anybody's seen that movie, that movie's fantastic. It's about um, children growing up in Rio de Janeiro, um, oh. kind of like on the uh, the outskirts, um, where there's a lot, of, a lot of crime and a lot of, like, children uh, being brought into, like, the drug trade and stuff like that. And it really is like a conventional coming of age backdrop apply or uh, uh, narrative applied to this backdrop. That's um, really spellbinding and really fantastic. It's really violent and very upsetting, but mm. it's um, it's a snapshot of what a coming of age tale in that specific scenario might be um, mm. in that sense. So that one I would really recommend. Mm. Has anybody ever seen Grace and Frankie on Netflix? Yes. No. So that's coming of age too, of like, how are these women who have had this, their status quo has been rich and married to these lawyers. And now that they're no longer married to these lawyers, the lawyers are now married to each other. Now, mm. what is their existence being in their eighties and trying to like establish their new status quo and trying to come into this new age of their life? Yeah. Is it like uh, an age as in like, you know, a, an actual phys- like your actual age, or is it like the age of like this part of your life or something like I think that's great. A great point. Yeah, it's that like people is. crossing I thresholds yeah. in their life of mm-hmm. like, like crucial moments of transformation mm-hmm. of like, whoa, this is my what I thought my life is, and it's be- becoming and growing into something different. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting point. So mm-hmm. in a sense, every movie that has arc is you're a coming right. of age. That's sort of the fundamental <laughs> movie narrative. I am discovering that I am not who I was and I am going through transformational Yeah, <laughs> I am learning about myself. 
Right. And then who decides what is a universal theme that people experience? Right. Like, even though I love now and then that wasn't my life, Christine, mm. you, you said that as well. And like Gracie, Grace and Frankie is definitely not my life right now. <laughs> but like there's probably parts of it I could still relate to. And I think that you see other as like people going into their 30s and like mm. reconciling being in their 30s. Though I'm not quite there just graduating yet. college, right? Yeah, but but like graduating college is not a universal experience. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's I I don't know if there can be. I think that there are probably maybe all of these movies that you could pull some things from that like you can mm-hmm. be like okay like yeah I can like relate to this or understand this or like you know remember this kind of thing, but like. There are just so many different factors that go into a person like coming of an age, however you want to define that, that like I don't I don't know if you can like make a story that like is for everyone and uh, that they all connect to. I guess that's why so many of these movies revolve around like either going to high school and puberty of this time of like Mm. generally things that are applicable to most people who would be watching. Or at the very least like a relatable undercurrent of like emotional uh rawness and vulnerability at that developmental mm-hmm. age yes yeah, seeing it at the oh, right time yeah. is probably a big deal too like i i like um stand by me but i saw that when i was in high school so i was like kind of past that mm-hmm. age anyway so i was like yeah this is like an interesting movie i don't know how like i feel about it because i don't have that nostalgia attachment to it of watching it when i was younger so like those movies the movies that i have an attachment to are like very different. I so. feel that way about Goonies. I saw Goonies yeah, in college, yeah. and I did not like it. Oh, I like the Goonies, I but I also like, saw it much I later. I was Goonies. just like, it just didn't like connect with me. Like maybe it would have when I was. I've heard that conversation younger. with a lot of people, and yeah, I understand. If you didn't get to that one young, it's probably not gonna. It's probably not gonna land the same way. I talk about books with like that too. Like someone said they didn't like Catcher in the Rye, and they read it when they were much older, and I was like, yeah, you have to read Catcher uh, in the Rye like at a certain age. Was that you I and like me? <laughs> no, I like I. We may have had this conversation, but yeah, there's just certain things that like if you're seeing it at a certain time, like you may have like you know. I mean, maybe it's possible you never would have connected to it, yeah. too. That could be a thing as well. But, you know, I think you probably have to hit things at the right age, too, to, like, have that attachment to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like, things are, they they mean different things to, like, all, all different types of people. Um, but... It, it so depends on just happenstance and like almost yeah. the act of randomness too. Yeah. Like I think like Harry Potter was such a big deal to me when I was growing up and I was so lucky because anytime a new book came out, Harry was almost the exact same age that I was at that time. Yeah. Whereas like people who like children who read it now, like my little cousin Luca or my friend's niece or my, my best friend's baby that's about to be born. It's, <laughs> Is it, that why not? Here you go. Kid. Here you go. James, here you go um it, it's like yeah that it'll mean something to them but it won't mean the same thing to me and how mm. lucky i was to get that i felt, well, i read i might have said this on the podcast but two years ago i read harry potter for the first time all the way through after never reading any of the books and only seeing movies one through four so i had like no connection to it and i still felt like real connection with harry and like wizards like i've I've never been a wizard i wish i was that'd be really same. cool same. oh but, you haven't Connor? no i have but they do have like going to school Uh, And kind of like that life, I think that's why those books connected. Like you were saying, Sam, of like people, our generation picking it up when they were, you know, in late elementary school, middle school, early high school, and then kind of growing up with Harry. But 
I um like I started reading book five and that's like real angsty Harry when I was at like a real mm. real ang- uh, angsty point in my life for a couple months and so even as a 24 year old then I still really connected to that story in that place too and that's I, why that yeah. book's my favorite one book five I also think there's an, I also think there's an interesting thing that happens I also love book five um that happens like when you do grow up with those particular things like mm-hmm. whatever happenstance occurs that like causes you to like attach these certain books or movies and things like where you become so protective of them and just <laughs> the emotion right. that they like you know, like how it impacted you that if someone like came in and critiqued it, like it doesn't matter if that movie's like actually good or not. It's just like you shut the fuck up, you know, like yeah. you can't like a lo- even talking about a lot of these 90 mo- 90s movies um, like Dave, when we get to yours, too, like um, a lot of those are things where I'm like, if people like tried to actually criticize them, I would have a hard time like listening to it because I'm like, yeah, but like, no, like these, these were important, like at a specific time. So like anything you say doesn't mean shit to me, you know? And it's so interesting the time we're living in now where we can share our opinions with people like instantaneously. And like on the opposite side of that, we can directly interface with the people who created the things that we love Mm -hmm. and cherish Mm -hmm. and then it can sometimes ruin it a little bit Mm -hmm. and so when we're talking about Harry Potter I'm thinking about J.K. Rowling and like how shitty she's been is that an intentional pun about her most recent tweet what what was her most recent tweet? Before well, Muggle, as of this recording, yeah. As of this recording, before Muggle plumbing was brought to Hogwarts, she tweeted or Pottermore tweeted that wizards would poop and pee wherever and then just evaporate it. Fine. I mean, whatever. <laughs> you know, but I, then they got human plumbing. But then they got, but human, then they got but the then plumbing. They got plumbing. <laughs> well, then there's a thing, too, where it's like, did she always, like, know certain things? Or is she just making She's stuff just up making now? Big head shake, no. Yeah. With Nagini, with... I mean, we could have a whole month about talking about J.K. Rowling. Yeah. We could. But, like, the things that have been, like, really frustrating me is, like, her trying to retroactively put in diversity and, like, representation. Mm. So, like, what she's doing with Dumbledore and Grindelwald and their supposed, like, what did she say? Intent sexual relationship yep. like bitch put it into the i mean you know that book's made for kids so maybe like not the <laughs> not intense sexual <laughs> relationship <laughs> but little like, asterisks a footnote or something yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like harry can find like a valentine's day card that grindelwald sent him years ago or something right right like you could have given dumbledore agency and mm. the fact that like he was gay um but, like, also something she did when she made, like, the American School of Wizardry and she, like, totally fucking just appropriated all mm. different types of Native American culture. And it was like, pitch, no, I was so excited for this and you ruined it. Mm. And so, like, now I feel like it's colored a lot of my experience. Yeah. And mm. and that's, like, unfortunate, too, when, like, creators can start to ruin things mm-hmm. for you. Um, fucking George Lucas. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like just where it's, like, at some yeah. point it's, like, you need to leave this alone because this, like, means so much much to everyone like you tampering with it's just gonna fuck it up for everyone we don't need a five minute music song in return of the jedi no we don't we don't need jk rowling peppering in like oh yeah this is what this meant like no fuck off like you you didn't think about this you're just adding this now like just go away oh and when she was like lupin his like uh, him being a werewolf was meant to like represent the aids crisis go fuck yourself that's so terrible where was that well and then how somebody this is maybe like a couple weeks or months ago. Somebody tweeted, oh, why are there no like Jewish students at Hogwarts? It's like, oh, there was one. His name was Arnold Goldstein and he was Ravenclaw. 
It's like just saying you just made it up. You just you honestly just made that up. <laughs> Arnold Goldstein, you just made that up. Just say like you know what? I didn't think about it, and maybe I should have. That's such an at least you didn't make him like, Slytherin. God, yeah. God, oh, it's like man. her. Yeah, <laughs> to impose this working at the on... bank. <laughs> yeah, you know that bitch would. She would. I'm sorry, Christine. Go ahead. No, I, it's just it's really interesting. Like seeing. Um, a writer like trying to yeah recreate her original mm-hmm. stories to fit within like a narrative when it's sort of like a fixed piece and people can interpret things that they see within the texts but like to to watch a creator sort of retroactively try to mm. yeah like create this it's like right it's acknowledging maybe things that she didn't do within her original works mm-hmm. and then just fucking make more work with yeah. these new like re- or encourage like, other people to bring or, stories into it you know she's this is such an interesting case because i can't think of any other off the top of my head i can't think of any other creator who has had unlimited control over a multi-billion dollar franchise right mm. George, right. I guess George Lucas is a pretty good analog, but even he had twenty first the twentieth century Fox to contend the studio. Mm. Like she, she yeah. controls one hundred percent of everything Wizarding World, and she straight up wrote the script for the new Harry for Potter movie. For both of movie. them, yeah. Mm. Oh, for both of them, fantastic! Yeah, she is writing all five. My sister didn't like it. I was very happy. She's seven, and I was like, "Yes, the you can tell this good. is shit." <laughs> I didn't watch the second one. I in Mm-mm. protest. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Marcus who does Cosmop Variety Hour. It's a YouTube mm-hmm. channel. He just released a hilarious video about um, the crimes of Grindelwald and mm-hmm. how within the first 12 minutes the movie is the worst Harry Potter like thing ever. Wow. Well, all right. I really like this <laughs> Harry Potter tangent because it is so related to now and then in a way because it is us as adults reconciling things that we learned and loved as children because I think we see that in now and then quite often. So, you know, we see the the older friends a few times and for me, especially being the age that I am now, I'm like closing on my 30s, being like Wow, reconciling growing up, growing apart, and still finding ways that you fit into the role you were before, the person you were, the things that you liked, but also within your friend group, which is like, I think that it's happening. And Mm -hmm. I'm like realizing that, like stepping out of my life and seeing that. So I moved away from home about like five or six years ago. And I know I have my friends back there and they're some of my best friends. But I also have like you guys have some of my best friends down here. And I'm an entirely different person. And so like Mm -hmm. how do I still fit back home when I feel like my puzzle pieces changed quite a bit. Yeah, and it's like what is still attaching you to those people? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like different than what attaches you to like friends you make when you're an adult too. It's like, oh, we all like grew up together and like did things together and like so that's like like how cuz I know for me like I don't keep in touch with many people from back home. Mm-hmm. Like I have two close friends who I still communicate with and I like don't communicate with them as much as I like should or like, you know, would like to, but those are both friends from high school and I like moved around a lot as a kid too. So a lot of like my younger like elementary and middle school friends like I don't have that with and so 
even that's weird for me now. Like, I don't have these friendships that span this, like, long period of time. Um, and I kind of always thought I would. Like, it, that's why, mm-hmm. like, I think things like this, I was like, yeah, of course. Like, this is what's going to happen. And it, like, doesn't always. And, like, friendships fizzle out for whatever reason and stuff. So, like, that's been interesting, too, like, reconciling that as an yeah. adult. Um, yeah. When I look back on a lot of these stories that I was very attached to. I think that's something I wish that now and then took more like did a little more was like how have these women changed now that they are much older mm. uh a suit like casting demi Moore, rosie o'donnell i thought they'd be like big parts of the movie but they're only in the beginning and the end which is and like it works really well at the end they're all back in the tree house that they worked so hard oh, to raise weeping. up the money for mm. and they have the new baby there um and then i just it would have been i think nice if maybe we checked in on them a few times just to be like these friends are coming together, and I know Demi Moore's character, Sam, has not checked in much. Mm-hmm. Even, I think, uh, Chrissy calls her on her answering machine and is like, hey, I don't see you. Like, are you on your way? And then it cuts to her, like, driving in the car. She's, like, smoking 20 cigarettes. And, like, mm-hmm. So I think I would I would just be really curious to see, like, what this film had to say about, like, friends growing apart and what that looks and sounds like, especially with these group of people as we're getting to know them as these close friends as children. I think that was po- also pointed out in a lot of the reviews I was reading when the movie just came out. It was like, we know familiar, we know Christina Ricci by now. We know like Gabby Hoffman, who um, plays Samantha. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've seen Thor Birch. But like really the big stars of the movie were the Dem- was Demi Moore and mm-hmm. Rosie O'Donnell. And so they, a lot of the critiques of the movie were that they were kind of just put on the bill to like get an audience. <laughs> like who could recognize the, when really... A lot of the reviews were like the kids are the best. I mean, yeah. it's their story. They're the they give the most compelling performances, mm-hmm. and then it, it's kind of these throwaway storylines with the with the adults. And so, yeah, I agree. It would have been I think a little bit more interesting to have fleshed out that kind of um, examining their their adult dynamic mm-hmm. and looking back and which I think is like there, the, yeah, which I think is like a good critique because I wanted to like know more. Like, this yeah. is a world and these are characters yeah. that I'm invested in. And I just want to be like, we know their dynamics when they're 12 years old. But what do those dynamics look like mm. after? It sounds like they did not see each other much after they turned 18. Yeah. Maybe That's except for impression. maybe except for Roberta and Chrissy. And for movies stayed. and for movies like that, I when I watch things like that, I always want that like reassurance that they are going to stay friends and like be friends forever. And like when they do, like if they did fall apart and then they reconnect, then that's going to like keep them attached and like. But then, like, I also, like, now I'm like, but, like, you know, that there are no, like, assurances of those things. And I think I need those things to feel a certain level of comfort. But also, like, you know, I think as you get older, too, you realize, like, you put the work in for those things that you want to keep, like, in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there's, it can't just, like, oh, yeah, like, there's that, there's that attachment and that history. So we'll always be together. You have to, like, really put the work in. Um but I think that's something you don't realize. Yeah. And this is something my dad told me for sure not dozens of times is like cherish like school because once you graduate and once you're working a job, it is so hard to keep friends because mm. mm. you're just like you're working your nine to five, especially he, him being a pharmacist of like, I mean, at where we work and doing this podcast, like it's a very social environment, but lots of other people work in environments that aren't quite as social as the ones that we exist. Trying in. to think of like conversation you make at a pharmacy. <laughs> You're like, ah, I don't know. Pills. Like anxiety medication, it's mostly right? Just sports. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's le- growing up one of the biggest lessons like yeah, like relationships take work, especially I've been in a ve- in a long-term relationship. 
Uh, it's like over and over again of just like the work, like it always takes work, whether it's a romantic mm. relationship, a friendship, a work relationship, everything always just takes like an incredible amount mm-hmm. of work. Yeah. I think it's such a good point that the, the friends you make when you're children, like my best friends from home, we've been friends for 16, 17 years. And the friends that I've made since moving to Philadelphia are so different. I mean, there, there are some like crossovers, but what is that? Like, I know it's hard to make friends when you're an adult. Like I, well, I feel that way anyway, cause I don't barely go anywhere other than my house <laughs> and like here and work. But I guess it's like, like Connor, you were just saying the advice is, well, it's easy to make friends when you're in school because you're all with each other, but yet we lose those friends so mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. But, like, how is it easy? Like, how do we even develop adult friends if, like, if we don't have the time for it? Like, how does this happen? How do we I change so I'm still trying to figure that out. Oh, I know. <laughs> and then I always feel weird when hard. I'm like, I meet a person. I'm like, oh, I like this person, but I don't know how to proceed because I don't know how to do that. You know, like with just making friends. I always think of I love you, man. Paul Rudd's just yeah, like the most yeah. awkward person trying to make friends. I'm like, oh, I totally relate to that shit because it's hard. And you're right. Like, you know we work at a place that's kind of different than like other type of typical jobs. So like I've some of the best friends I have right now are all people I met at this job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's before that it I'll was, from that place. it was years mm-hmm. <laughs> um, living in Philly before that happened. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I just think like you have to kind of be okay. Like, Putting yourself out there. I almost think it's in, it's easier to proceed in romantic relationships as an adult, like, more than it is, like, to make friendships as an adult. Hmm. Um, because it's like, you know, you're like, you kind of know the formula for, like, a romantic relationship <laughs> and what to do. But, like, I don't want to come off as a creep if I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this person's cool and I just want to hang out with them and nothing else. <laughs> like, How do you ask somebody's number at a bar when you just want to be friends and just like, because you were talking about, like, movies for two hours yeah, or something. Like, yeah, exactly. How does that, how yeah. Does that go? <laughs> yeah. That's so wild, man. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. Well, I met a lot of friends through, made, have made a lot of friends through our uh, friend Misty through her open mic nights. Mm, yeah. Uh, just like people who I literally would never have ever looked at. And now we're like going over their houses and like friends with them on Facebook and like talking to them about different things. So it's like, I think just, yeah, like putting in the work and like, yeah, we all acknowledge it's awkward to make friends as adults and just kind of like leaning into the awkward. I know I get weepy like when someone is like, oh, yeah, like, uh, like invites me to a thing. I was like, oh, my God, are we friends? <laughs> yeah. I also think it, although it might be more challenging, at least I think it's more challenging to make friends as an adult. Mm-hmm. I think to your point, Sam, that like thinking about like the relationships that you have as an adult and being different than friends that you have when you're a kid and like what that I feel like it's like being in new spaces, being in new situations. And like like I found myself also having friends as an adult that are very different than friends that I grew up with. And I think that kind of connects to the movie as in like, we see this strong bond like in four people that they have together, but they also live in quite sort of an insular environment. Mm -hmm. As you said, it was like, like white suburban, literally like the gaslight and edition, edition, the gaslight edition. And like, 
t- like thinking about more what we would, information we want to know about how they are as an adult as adults who are their friends now how do how would they really look back at their life and like the sort of bonds that they had but also somewhat out of circumstance too being within a pretty like tight-knit community mm-hmm. um and like how that yeah how that's changed if they've moved i don't know where they i guess one of them is in hollywood right well, well then two of them stay because chrissy is still in the hometown mm-hmm. and, and roberta roberta is so i really don't know if she's in the hometown but definitely is a doctor in indiana yeah but mm-hmm. i don't know if they ever say that she stayed in shelby i think yes because she goes to the grocery store right. and the kids go by like hey doc or That's something true. along those mm-hmm. lines. So I think so. And I think she was a physician at the uh, the hospital. Where... That was a weird scene. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, so at the end of the movie, um, Chrissy gives birth to a daughter. But the hospital room is so weird. Like her husband oh, is not Oh, I saw there. that in the trailer. Yeah. And then it's just, it's the four of them. Rosie O'Donnell's like re- ready to give birth. There's like no nurses. One nurse pops in once. It's like there's no music or anything or noise. It's just like Robert silent. Got it under control. <laughs> It was just like such a strange little like, oh, like you just have this one room where you can help deliver. Mm-hmm. But then even Chrissy marries, I guess, what became her like middle school sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really gotten into the characters too much, but Chrissy's one of the funniest ones. She I have to all say the best lines. The hose, the hose waters the seeds. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much to talk about, like, you know, your parents telling you something to placate you when you're when you're young like this is how this is santa's real blah 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 and then you finding out years later oh my god Mm -hmm. that's not what it was at all and i feel like that might be a universal experience i found out on the same day in a target parking lot that santa and the easter bunny weren't real because i asked my mom (laughs) if santa wasn't real and she was like you know what you're old enough yeah he's not real because i kept pushing and i said wait does that mean the easter bunny's also not real it's it's just a chain it's a chain effect like as soon as you know one isn't real you're gonna question every other thing in your life not necessarily i never believed in the easter bunny i was like that's not happening but i believed in an entity that gave me free candy <laughs> I just that, asked, was, that was belief I just enough for me piece by piece that this was all my parents and i'm like so i still get chocolate and presents and money so yeah okay mm-hmm. i don't give a shit yeah that sounds right that <laughs> yeah you're yeah this, but i'm still benefiting from it so great <laughs> i asked Capitalism. too many questions about santa that i wore my parents down <laughs> mm-hmm. and so they were like we're just gonna tell you because we're sick of trying to lie i was like dad told me you got me this but but like you said that it was santa and they were like no fuck it like we're not dealing with this anymore <laughs> my little sister she just turned four and so she's at that age now where she's trying to be like well dad said this and then Alyssa said this so exactly your point like now Mm -hmm. she's at this age where she's like figuring stuff out so she grows older I definitely want to ask her questions kind of like this of like what are your kind of like childhoods like growing up because it's interesting knowing a four-year-old because I haven't really ever known a four-year-old before Mm. except probably when I was four years old Mm -hmm. and friends with other four-year-olds I don't remember that time (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, this is such a good point. And and Tori, I want to go back to something you asked when you're talking about the trailer. Who is this movie for? Brendan Fraser fans. Oh my, oh my god, god, yes, god bless. Wait, is Brendan Fraser in this movie? Yes, he he's is. In, he's in an uncredited for role. Maybe 3 minutes. Yep. Really? Yeah. That's he, so he weird. He gives cigarettes to the girls. 
<laughs> and then Chris but he was like, but be... he was like a, an actor at the time, like right? Like this must have been a favor or some like because that seems weird. Yeah. Okay. So this might be a quick tangent, but this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. <laughs> yes. He uh, is walking down the road, and they're pulling up on their bikes, and they're like, "Hey, what's up?" It turns out that he's <laughs> he's like a like a Vietnam vet mm-hmm. um, who's like hitchhiking through their. He town. got injured in the foot, and he goes and sits down on this like perfectly decayed truck and then all, the four of them like sit in like po- like positions like all around him and they're chatting and Chrissy gets the best line so she's like you're a hippie aren't you my mom says all hippies are sex fiends <laughs> <laughs> like so it's great but and his and he just looks at her and he's like you're, like, a, you're a trip and then chuckles. yeah and then he offers them cigarettes so they take a cigarette um and then like <laughs> Samantha like is like oh smooth and (laughs) what i what i recently learned which i thought was kind of interesting about the scene so in 1970 the public health cigarette smoking act was passed that banned advertising of cigarettes on tv and radio and this scene with brendan fraser has always been so curious like a weirdly curious scene because it, it is so posed and they're all just like sitting there looking cool like smoking their cigarettes and I couldn't figure out like what we were supposed to take from this movie <laughs> or from this particular scene. Cause it's like, it's them maybe learning about larger problem, like, right. like sort of their political awakening about like what was going on in mm. Vietnam. Like Nixon had just um, essentially ordered an invasion of Cambodia. So like, mm-hmm. like further widening the war in Vietnam. So like, I was like, is this supposed to be them learning about this conflict? Or is it like kind of a fuck you or a wink to this like public Mm. health cigarette smoking act? Or is it (laughs) fucked up that they're using this like sexy Vietnam vet as like, like eye candy for this movie? Lieutenant damn. (laughs) Oh my God. Because, like, Brendan Fraser looks, like, fucking sexy. He has an earring. He really... He's got, like, pink sunglasses. That's, that's why he picks this movie. I was, like, trying to think. Because, like, all the lifetime. My, one of my best friends, I love watching this, watching this scene. And ultimately, I was, like, maybe it's just sort of, like, this comment on, like, this idea of, like, growing up in an insular community and, like, kind of brushing shoulders or coming right up against mm. larger issues and problems that like are existing in their world but not yet knowing what to do with that information like that's their experience of like meeting someone i guess who's like kind of different from them and has a different experience and because like they they like kind of it's all a very like chill scene Mm. yeah 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 and they're like all right we got like we gotta go (laughs) and they all get on their bikes and then samantha turns around like gives him like a wink or something. I hope everything goes right. I hope you find what you're looking for. I hope you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah, it's just so a very sweet, sweet and tender scene. But you're like, this is like a really interesting, and I know like, I can think of instances of trying to like, of catching little glimmers of like, big moments in history mm. or like, like, like encountering for the first time. Trying like, to understand things bigger than it, you. Exactly. But then ultimately being like, that's so much shit I gotta do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, like, I'm just a kid, man. Well, it's like, because I think it's Sam or Roberta who say, oh, like, the news said we're really, like, turning the tide in Vietnam. And then he's like, they make up everything. Who's mm-hmm. are, People who've been in there who do those things are just making it all up. Yeah, because it's just what your parents tell you, and really. And he says, your parents aren't always... I got one piece of advice for you. And I think this is directed to Chrissy. It's like, your parents aren't always right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And, like, maybe people, like, viewers want them to go deeper into this or, like... 
I don't know. I want a Brendan Fraser Vietnam vet spinoff. I want like his <laughs> own character to be. That is like my. Who is that he? kind of also Brendan just seems Fraser's like a Rambo. thing they have to do in a movie like this, where they're going back in time, where they're like, "All right, well, what are things happening right now? All right, we got to throw some Vietnam in there, you know, like, like Forrest Gump. Kinda, yeah. What is happening in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where yeah. it's like, okay, we got to like pepper in some of the actual historical things. Yeah. That was a that was a long tangent, but I was like, oh. Okay, yeah, I mean, yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, t- yeah, it's just so interesting being like, yeah, kids like, let me try a cigarette. I'll be a cool kid smoking when I feel like, me as a kid, like, my friends, and I, this is just me and my friends, were like, never into cigarettes. Like, that was just, whether that's public awareness, our parents, whatever, like, for us growing up, that was, like, never something that was interesting. So it is funny looking back at, like, 1970 and this being, like, mm-hmm. the cool taboo thing to partake in. But I think, Sam, your point like asking Tori was like kind of who this movie was exactly made for. Mm. Cause you probably don't the want kids. a kid seeing that scene or. Like. Well, no, I mean, it was, I mean, I mean, we saw a lot of things that were probably too adult right. to see, you know? Oh yeah. My answer is for Samantha Hunter at age, like, 11 or 12 when I first started Mm. watching this with my friends. It has everything I want. Characters that I could see myself in, which, you know, when you take that quiz, which I hope we'll all take at the break, but um, you know, it's so hard to find which one you are in particular because I feel like I'm all four of them at at one point or another. Um, Has that mystery of like, dear Johnny. So the boy had died in a a horrific um, like shooting murder and there's also this other spooky character called crazy pete and i was like yes i want to know what happens i'm like mm. i want to do this but also like i could see my other friends and the characters as mm-hmm. well and i could see things that we were actually going through so i was like yep this is this is the this is me and i i relate to this so if for no one else yeah for sam hunter age preteen well, there is a thing also about being a kid where you're just kind of like interested in or like attracted to things that are kind of like weird and creepy, yes. you know? What like, do you think we're supposed crime? to take away from yeah. like the crazy Pete, dear Johnny? Uh, Growing up, we had, this, we, we had this character that was not character, uh, this homeless late, this homeless person, woman who we just call it like, the crazy bag lady as we were kids because she always had a shopping cart full of bags. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of always, looking back now, I'm like, ooh, like, this is probably someone who's, like, actually really struggling and me in my privileged place, like, I should not be, like... Yeah. But I was, like, you know, in, in fifth and sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of just made me think of, like, because this movie's like, oh, they call him Crazy Pete, they make fun of him because he's, like, always riding around at night and doesn't want to talk to anybody. But then you learn that, like, he was the father of the boy who was uh, mm-hmm. murdered. Johnny, oh, who they think they summon in a seance and want to learn more about. And then Samler's like, oh, this was like his father. And that's why he's always at the cemetery because he visited his son mm-hmm. and um, his departed Aww. wife's grave. There's one scene that makes me like ball my eyes out every time. I just like full on weep, which is um, when Sam almost drowns in a sewer and Pete yes. jumps in to save her. And it's raining, pouring. The girls are very scared at what just happened almost. Like, Sam almost died. And then they're like, oh my god, it's crazy Pete. And Pete is just like, you know, he's an old man. And he goes, why are you so afraid of me? Oh my god, I can't watch that. And they're mm. with, it's with like dry a eyes. Moment. It is. It is. Oh exactly my god, it is exactly moment. like yeah. Boo Radley. Yeah, it sure. is. And so, Christine, to answer your question, I think it's like, don't don't be an asshole and and don't think you know what a person is is going through or think that just because someone acts a little weird that they are. Well, and even like 
like Pete doesn't want their help. Right. So I think also like and these people like who we might like take pity on and feel bad for, don't assume that they oh, want our help. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great Don't point. assume that we have to like save them from whatever their situation is. Yeah. I, I also thought it was interesting. like when did when did the original it come out? Was that mid nineties? The book or the T V Sorry, movie? The, the T V movie. That was mid nineties. Mm-hmm. There's like something about gutters and nostalgia right, I thought and the same thing i was, I was like, like, like just coming out i'm gonna take this little girl happen did, did the children die in the gutters but like yeah they're like this gutter crisis <laughs> the, gutter. <laughs> the 1990s gutter crisis well you know what if you're a fan of true crime like i am there's a lot of times like people would report their person their child missing and they're like oh they just ran off is that something that happened back then? Like, I think it was just children being kidnapped and, and like, you know, being murdered and things like that. And so perhaps, like, this was, like, a reoccurring theme, children getting lost in the gutter or what else. Or because it's like, it's like it's like 90s adults who are writing these movies uh-huh. or writing these stories looking back at mm. late 60s, 70s being like, this is what was the problem and parents right. would have never known because it's a way for just, them to process mm-hmm. everything like being part of that like the latchkey generation of like mm. not having a lot of adult supervision there's that John Mulaney thing where he talks about like before there were like uh, like milk carton kids and stuff yeah. he's like what do people think was happening to these kids they were just blown off steam like <laughs> wait oh my god like Lexi K says my parents sucked my childhood now she uses the metaphor like with a bone marrow but mm-hmm. like it's like some of this fears of like children just getting sucked into mm. nothingness because oh like it is like another you know adults reflecting it's Stephen back King reflecting their, on his yeah and I guess he childhood. wrote it much earlier than the yeah these 90s, kids take but... place the, the kids in the book take place in the 50s okay they're 50s kids but that's right. only like less yeah. than 20 years before this book take before the I mean I definitely grew up in the everything's trying to kill you uh, generation same. so same they learned their lesson I guess mm-hmm. well on that note Anything else about now and then that we want to talk about that we didn't already get to? Um, as far as uh, like returning back to the idea of like who this movie is written for and like what is universal themes versus not, I think one like one of the things that I took away from reading different critiques, especially um, Zoe Samudzi's article about like entitled what white girl coming of age movies don't do for black girl this idea that like i think the issue with the genre coming of age the fact that the, the there was such a prevalence of just white teen narratives coming mm. and still i mean still today like she mentions like ladybird and some other movies like this it mm. being the sort of dominant narrative is the problem it's not necessarily that every story needs to exactly connect to and on it but like what movies are like are presented as is like being sort of these dominant narratives of like so supposed universal coming of age um because we all connect to different things so it's definitely something that now from our conversation i want to like look like be in tune with especially as can other movies of other involving other Mm -hmm. ages and experiences within other communities fall in the same these same themes and things yeah yeah that's such an interesting point and i don't really have an answer Mm. for any i think just finger snaps i mean we definitely need you know more diverse narratives um and that's just like a general hollywood thing also and i think specifically for 
you know, for for kids that aren't, you know, white girls or boys, like they they need their stories told too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, um, <laughs> thanks everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's a it's a great note to end on. So thanks everybody for that really interesting conversation about now and then, but also about like this universal story of coming of age and and getting older and it sucks. Um, so we'll be back in just a moment with our whiteboard question. When you're 12, without effort, you live in the moment. You don't regret the past or worry about the future. And at that moment in the treehouse, Tini filled my heart with hope and comfort. everybody to butter with that so a couple things um one shout out time so you know how we do sneak peeks this month has been guess which butter host from this 90s picture it's been my favorite month yeah this is awesome mm -hmm. and the first person to guess the first image was little baby connor mm. was my friend heather thank you so much heather for commenting on that and being a loyal supporter of butter with that I see your likes. God bless you, like you all Heather. Of them. God bless you. Just get Chad to listen to it. I know he's not. <laughs> God damn it, Chad. <laughs> um, okay, so thank you, Heather, again for playing. Everyone else, keep your eyes peeled on the Butter with Ad Instagram and Facebook for a chance to win a shout out. The other thing I wanted to mention, okay, fans of Christina Ricci and have seen Casper. So you know in Casper, Casper is human for maybe like mm, one full minute. And the actor who plays human Casper is Devin Sawa. And okay. he is in Now and Then. Yep. And Christina Ricci and him share a kiss. It was <gasps> everything I wanted. Oh my god. Devin Sawa says mid 90s. That was a really cute scene. Oh, oh I didn't know god. that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. And then the other thing before we get into the actual whiteboard question is which now and then character are you? So we all took the quiz, which it's just a BuzzFeed quiz. So if you want to play along, go ahead and do it. Now's your time. Pause the podcast. Go take the quiz and uh, should everyone say their thing and then do their whiteboard? Does that make sense? Or are we doing that first and then doing whiteboard? Let's do it together. I okay. like that. Okay. okay. So once we say who we are, give your answer. The whiteboard question is, um, so in the movie, Sam was given advice by Crazy Pete that's basically like, cherish the moment you have and don't let people try to tell you otherwise. And so what advice would you give to your younger self? You, your age now, give to your younger self, preteen, teen, what have you. So who wants to go first? I can go. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so the quiz told me I was Samantha. It said something right like, on. you've always 
you're always searching for something, trying desperately to understand the world. Something about going, go have a beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, yeah, I, I think that there's like a combo of Samantha and combo of Chrissy, especially in like those conversations when like they're all getting together and Chrissy says something and they're like, mm. and I'm like, she gets, yeah, anyhow. <laughs> she gets- um, so yeah, that was, that was the quiz. As far as the whiteboard question, I think that I would tell myself to not, so I used to like keep a journal and like be obsessed with like the fact that one of these days my journal would be read by the world. <laughs> Which would mean I would read write one sentence like every ten minutes. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And I was wow. fucking. I would tell myself, do not let write in your journal like you think anyone's gonna give a shit about what you say. <laughs> oh, I want to read your journal so Just bad. Just fucking yeah. write it and don't try to be extremely precise about everything. Christine Rayburn, just the good shit. Oh God, it was just such. Do you still have the journal? I like, does it I exist? have most of the journals I kept, and it's. bullshit (laughs) it's really bad (laughs) so that would be the advice Uh, i also got sam which is my favorite character in the in the show uh in the movie Uh, and the advice (laughs) (laughs) just wait this will probably be a netflix original series coming down the line um advice i would give myself which is advice i'm still trying to follow today which has something um is to like not always have to like talk or like fill the space. I think kind of getting back to your point of like I what I have to say is not important most of the time. Um, so and this podcast has helped a lot of like not over talking people or just like leaving room for other people to share things. So that's I did that even like worse ten years ago. So I think that's the advice I give myself: like just let other people talk. Like, you don't have to share everything that comes into your head because it's mostly nonsense. Um, God, are I- you done? <laughs> Jeez, Connor. Um, I I can go. I was also Samantha. Oh yes. my God, for fuck's sake. Yes. <laughs> was, wow. Was uh, was this BuzzFeed thing? Are you saying, how many, totally how many options are there on this quiz? One maybe. Um. So yes, uh, I would say the advice I would give to myself is um, learning that. Um, the feelings you have are valid and that um, you should try to learn to be able to communicate those feelings um, to those around you. Hmm. Nice. Getting real. Lesson for us all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I also got no! some. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's because we're all okay with our boobs, isn't it? <laughs> I did pick uh, just right or whatever. Yeah. It was. I yeah. said that's private. Oh, okay. Um, Damn. <laughs> so I guess yeah, a very uh, very common fo- a very common thread between us right now. Um, I guess if I was gonna give myself advice uh, at a younger age, maybe like around like I don't know, like sixteen or seventeen would have been just read Ulysses and get it over with I'm staring at it right now and I'm like I still haven't fucking read that thing and it's gonna haunt me forever so at just what age would you recommend yourself reading Ulysses is it because you just don't want to read Ulysses now I, I, uh, I do but it's so much pressure and, you, and that you wish you could force your past self 
just like it? just sit me down and be like i imagine i'd have a lot of questions past self and would be like what what, what about this and that and it's like look don't worry about that right now <laughs> one thing you're going to be worrying about later is whether or not you read this goddamn book so just get it over with do yourself a favor one less thing for future me to think about yeah cut me a break yeah help, help me help me <laughs> <laughs> help me help me <laughs> i love that you're using your past self to help your presence mm-hmm. yeah, well that's how time travel should work yeah, i guess for sure uh, Who'd you get, Sam? Well, unlike the rest of you. <laughs> Yay, you got something different. I got teeny. Teeny? Creativity, oh. fame, glamour, fortune. These are the things you seek in life. And good for you. You know what you want, <laughs> so why not go after it? You are wearing those dope earrings right now. True. Mm. Yeah. Teeny also <laughs> gets some of the best lines, too. <laughs> oh. She does. I'll, I'll be honest, I have taken this before, I've always gotten teeny, and when my friends and I were like, well, who would we be? I was always teeny, so, hmm. you know, it's just kind of one of those things. I don't <laughs> think I'm, like, teeny at all, but it is what it is. I think we should try to find quizzes like this for all of the movies. <laughs> Every episode. There probably are. That early thousands batch of those lists is endless. Oh, for sure. Oh. I would just take them for hours. I know. Which soup are you? Um, is it Do you remember? Taken? No. <laughs> I, think, I think it was like uh, French onion. Gazpacho. Okay. Italian wedding soup. Wow. Is it, was that a buzz, BuzzFeed quiz? Probably. 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 It was like that or like a playbill. Oh, what would be your musical? No. Oh. Playbill is like a website you can go to oh. to take. Oh, I see. Or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Fuck. I don't know. Quizzilla. Oh, don't pretend you don't know. <laughs> I would love to take a quiz. It would be like, what musical best describes your life? That's a thing. That's I mean, there, yeah. Sure. I've, I've taken a thousand of those. Mm. Lay Miz gone a few mm-hmm. times. You know, hairspray. <laughs> Thinking that BuzzFeed will give me cats. more insight into me. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, cats would definitely be <laughs> Oh. Oh, my God. Mm. Um, mm. There's a Cats movie coming out in December. There's also the live... Action? Are they Lion King. Like, no, no. It's a live action cat on my bed oh, right uh-huh. now. Live action Aladdin. <laughs> she having no, a bad dream. Live action cat. He's around. A performance of Cats starring Jungle Cats come out. Like, oh, like one of the Taylor live things. Swift and oh. other people. Oh, they're gonna do one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> nice. I can't wait to see who's. Uh, one more thing He's for me to not care cat. about. Exactly. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Um, anyway, the advice that I would give to myself is: you deserve to be here. That's Aww. it. Aw. Yeah. This whiteboard question was great. This whole yeah. episode was great. This whole yeah. episode got me, like, thinking some things. Mm. Yeah. Some good things. Yeah. Makes you want to, like, <laughs> make that, write that text. I really need to write yeah. that email. Hashtag write that email. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. If there's someone you haven't talked to in a while that you miss, just say hello. And then take a screenshot and send it to butterwithatpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> yes, we want to know the, the text 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 emails you're sending people. Don't Do- text me. your distant friends. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, anything else we want to talk about? We want to plug? Uh, <clears throat> um, I So I do a horror movie night as I assume people know by now, um, called Chill and Kill Horror. Um, I just announced what I'm going to do for, I think it's April 14th, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm going to do Scanners, another David Cronenberg, because oh, I nice. am actually planning on writing a David Cronenberg series of articles. Um, 
So the dude's um, great. Yeah, he's great. Um, I want to do a thing on uh, him and gender specifically. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, and also uh, this is kind of a new thing, but um, I am friends with people who run Cinema Seventy Six, and soon I will be having my uh, first article posted up there. Um, I did a piece Woo! about. Thank you. Um, I did a piece about Barbara Crampton, who's one of my favorite um, horror movie uh, stars. She's so, so beautiful. Yeah. Come on our podcast. Oh, my God. She's gorgeous. <laughs> I love her. Um, yeah. So um, that's that's another exciting thing. So, yeah. That's it. All right. Well, do we want to shout out Alyssa? Yeah. We can give a sh- Yeah. Do it. Uh, shout out to Alyssa Arts. <laughs> We just made Connor look like the worst fiance ever. <laughs> he always remembers. Not this time. Not this time. Well, I like to stagger it every other. Oh, just promote. Oh, you promote have. You figured it all out. Aww. Alyssa Art's Facebook page. She's an awesome lady. Just started a new job. Woo! Love you, love you, Alyssa. Aww. No. She's feeling real too. sick right now. So. Aww. Feel better. Um. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Send us an email. Let us know what you think of us. Mm. When we said, well, by send that email, we meant send it definitely to our email. Oh, we got a shout out on Twitter, but I think it's the Twitter. What's our Twitter handle? Isn't it like a uh, one? Butter with that yeah. one. Okay, yeah. We got a shout out from um, a podcast. who has that. But yeah. Um, so it's not the, the right handle, which is not his fault, but uh, a f- friend Kevin of uh, mine and my partner. Um, I was just on his podcast recently and he uh, listened to Butter with that and was very excited about um, some of like the episodes he was listening to. I think he was listening to like our October Halloween ones. So yeah, that was also very nice. Our uh, one friend has also been using our podcast as a movie watch list recommendation. Hell yeah. List, so. Yeah, that's true. So she's been working her way through that. Bless. God, what a weird series of movies to try to get through. <laughs> Yeah, especially if you haven't seen any of them, and you're. <laughs> I know. Oh, well, she's also reading uh, a list of a thousand books that you should read before you die, and she has not liked most of them. Oh, great! <laughs> but I she has like most of our movie recommendations, from what I've heard. Cool. Well, that's all. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes, thank you. Bye. <laughs> Good day. Boo bow. What the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs>